Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. Artificial intelligence can do a lot, but can it write a poem as lovely as a tree? I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. With the explosion of AI technology, various industries are not only changing, but learning how to adapt without eliminating humans altogether. Just look at the crisis in Hollywood and the actors and writers on strike. But many artists have remained confident in the idea that a robot simply can't beat the creativity and emotion of the human soul. But that's not for lack of trying. Local writer and conservationist Robbie Telfer has been exploring AI and poetry. In fact, for his new book, Lonely Line Breaks, Chat RQT, he started by asking ChatGPT about himself. Robbie, how did this book first come about? I got started probably the same way a lot of artists get started by searching yourself um, and sort of like looking, what, what are people saying Just about me? Just Googling yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's always when I know I have, I have to get back to work is if I start Googling myself. Um, <laughs> That's when you know you've made it. <laughs> yep. And so um, I was like, what does ChatGPT think about me? And so I typed my name and I was like, who's this guy? And uh, it came back with some true information. I, I think that's been documented that ChatGPT has like an honesty issue. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it was like uh, Robbie Q. Telfer is a poet from Chicago. He was born in 1968 and he invented the poetry slam. And I was like, I some of that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I just started digging deeper and. I would ask it the same questions, and it would, if you start a new conversation, it comes back with new answers, new fake answers. And I was like, well, what are some of his poems, this Robbie Q. Telfer? And it, it said uh, a bunch of poem titles and synopses for poems that I had not written um, that sounded kind of like poems. Um, I, some of them, I mean, they sound a lot like poems, but a lot of them were like uh, – one of them was like how to seduce a straight boy was one of them, uh, and another one was like – how to be uh, or 13 ways of looking at being a black kid in the suburbs. And it was like sort of representing these these um, demographics that I love and I'm grateful for, but I'm not. Um, and so I think right. it was sort of like, I don't know, it thought that if you wrote this kind of poetry that you were writing about social issues and just sort of like <laughs> spat out different right. identities. So after scratching your head, I mean, how would you describe your relationship then with, with ChatGPT in creating this book that is that you now have have created. I mean, yeah. who's 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 actually doing the heavy lifting here? The heavy lifting is definitely done by no one. Um, so you mentioned deep fakes, and I, I feel like this is like a surface level fake. Um, basically, ChatGPT came up with these poem titles and synopses of mine that didn't exist. And I was like, well, let me write some of these. Let me use this as a writing prompt. And it, it came up with like 200. I just stopped asking at a certain point. It was like endless names of poems. And so I was like, all right, this is a plenty to work from. And so I, I used the titles and the synopses as the starting point for writing the poems. And just I just wanted to see where it went. But I also kind of wanted to like call attention to how weird this is and how some of these suggestions are just like, I don't know. They're, they're, it's like the the no bad ideas suggestions in a writer's yeah. room. You know, we're like, oh, yeah, that's okay. But maybe we'll jump off. Yes, and we will not do that, but we'll try this one. Um, and so I wanted to write some of those poems as well because I, I wouldn't write those poems. Well, you know, as a creative, Robbie, when was it that you realized AI could have a major impact on the arts? And 
How'd that make you feel? Yeah, I think that it it's tricky. I don't. I I definitely am, and I stand with the unions and the striking, and I definitely think that this is something that needs to be continued to be worked out by people smarter than me. But I also think that art doesn't exist in the places that that we say it does. I, I don't think art is uh, like replicatable. I, I I don't think that if if AI makes art, I don't I I don't personally call that art. There's no there's no uh, animus there. There's no um, there's literally no blood pumping through it, and so it's cool and beautiful and it. Just like advertising can be beautiful, mm-hmm. um, but it's not art. You know, it's just trying to take something from you. What would you call it then? Advertising or ChatGPT? I would call it um, a good magic trick. Uh, or like, you know, I, I think about all the time, like, you know, those guys who stand really still and they, they pretend to be like statues and then they move and they scare you. Right. Uh, those guys are so talented. That takes so much work. And I love watching that. But that's where it ends. Like I don't. There's nothing else underneath that, right? And so it's like that. That to me is is, and, and I do not want to take away from their skill. But that's to me the level of artistry um, that you might get from these things. Yeah. Well, let's turn to one of your poems okay. now. Uh, this one's called "If Godzilla Was a Metaphor." Mm-hmm. Please, if you could just do us the honor of, of reading this for us, Ronnie. Yes, I will. I'll start with the um, description from ChatGPT. So uh, it says. If Godzilla was a metaphor, a poem that examines the deeper meanings behind the classic monster movie and the ways in which art can reflect and shape our understanding of the world. Uh, Here we go. If Godzilla was a metaphor, he would be very obvious, like a bird or the moon. Everyone would scream, we get it, we get it, in Japanese, as their metaphorical high-rise falls. Mothra would not be subtle. She would crash through the screen, hit you over the head with herself so hard you make an online message board devoted to obscure interpretations and slash slash fiction where the metaphors finally hook up, the birds or the moon or a green light break the hot tension, release the endorphins like a pod of trapped dolphins erupting like laughter from the wine-dark sea, like a volcano bubbling up, like a monster bubbling up, eventually to become an island of screams and fire and echoes and time and trees and birds like a well, like a prayer, an avocado, a shawl. We get it. We get it. Oh, my gosh. The imagery. (laughs) (laughs) That's all it is. It's just imagery with nothing behind it because that's the idea. It's like if Godzilla was a metaphor, I'm not telling you what the metaphor stands for. I'm just saying if it was a metaphor, yeah, it would be pretty big. It would be a big metaphor. (laughs) And you wrote this using chat GPT. I wrote that myself. And the title and synopsis were from ChatGPT. Oh. Um, I, I like I, I did do the heavy lifting of putting words together. Uh, well, but, that that would explain why it's so good. <laughs> you got another poem called "The Future Is a Computer," and I <laughs> hope to God it's not Robbie. Yeah, um, <laughs> that one in there is is more of like a, a sort of like retelling of the. Uh, I think it's Stephen King's story of Lawnmower Man, where it's like the the terror of artificial intelligence and and uh, the World Wide Web and what would happen if we. I mean, do you think we're moving in that direction? I think that the apocalypse uh, happens all the time, and for some people, it's already happened, and we're just always having to adapt to the situations that are at hand. And if we don't adapt, we go away. And so. Um, 
I think that things this is a big change. I think this is a big change, just like iPods were a big change to the music industry, you mm-hmm. know, just like um, the typewriter. That. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I do too. Uh, I don't remember the typewriter uh, sort of like really taking off, but you know, there was there was a lot of concern about what these things would do, um, and I think that I think rich people will exploit it because that's what rich people do, and I think artists will be hopefully craftier mm-hmm. um, because they are the art. The art is the connection between the human and the human, the human making it and the human consuming it. Yeah. And uh, that is not well, well, let's make sure this isn't lost. I mean, your collection of poems, it's its well done. I mean, is there oh, a favorite you. that you have? Uh, which I me- which should mention, you, you dedicate it to, quote, my daughter, the analog chatbot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I realized that a lot of the conversations I was having with ChatGPT were just sort of like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, that's interesting. I was like, wait a second. I sound like a parent. Uh, <laughs> just like continuing a conversation that doesn't need to exist. Um, sorry, uh, kiddo. Um, but yeah, I, of the poems in there that are, I don't know. There's one about, um, it's called uh, Elephants in the Trees. And uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of about my, my own grandmother and yeah, that one's near the end, right? Yeah, and I think yeah. that like, I I think that we get inspiration as artists from all over the place. And if you need, there's so many different pathways and doorways into the things that we want to create. That like, I don't know. It was a it was an opportunity for me to f- reflect on my own grandmother in a way that I wouldn't have gotten from Chat GPT or mm-hmm. whatever without without Chat GPT. Mm-hmm. I mean, without the pandemic, I wouldn't be connected with so many poets around the world via zoom you know yeah. <laughs> like like it's i don't thank it but it's changed the way i live in a way that i like the things that yeah. are in part of my life because of it so let's talk about that name lonely line mm-hmm. breaks chat rqt how did that come about so in like the 10th time i was asking about my my bio um it it uh it was talking about me it was like oh he um he won the National Poetry Slam in 2008. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, it was really hard. Uh, and so, yeah, and, but then it was like, um, then it started saying the number two a bunch of times. So like the programming broke down. It, it, said, two, it said two, like 278 times. And, I, and then it said, oh, I said, what happened there? And it said, oh, sorry, um, please ignore the part where I said the number two and the phrase lonely line breaks. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. I was like, what do you mean lonely line breaks? You didn't say lonely line breaks. And it was like, I apologize. Forget that I said lonely line breaks. That has no meaning in it. <laughs> There's nothing behind lonely line breaks. Uh, forget I said anything. I was like, did you say that because you're lonely? And it's like, no. Uh, Except and, it makes a great title yeah, for it, a poetry collection. Yeah, or yeah. It's, uh, but I also like that a poetry collection about ChatGPT, the title comes from ChatGPT where it admits that there's nothing behind it. And I think a lot of the, the, the sort of like conversations that one can have with these things, there is nothing behind it. You know, there is, there's no yeah. ulterior motive. It's just programming. Well, part of that sounded like it was gaslighting. You, yeah. Just, it, oh, just, that just happens all the time. Yeah. I was like, maybe I did invent the poetry slam. You said it so convincingly. I think it wants to be helpful more than it wants to be truthful. And um, yeah. that, that has some repercussions. Well, tell me your biggest takeaways then from, from writing the book, you know, when it comes to the role that AI can and is already playing in mm-hmm. society? I'd say that um, we got to stay one step ahead of them and uh, try to work with what we got. I think the time we spend um, bemoaning it, there's always going to be someone who's going to come in and 
use it and and take advantage of it and then we're just sad and complaining about the the kids on our lawn so i i think that we can harness these things and try to make what we can from them that is that is real art mm-hmm. uh and keep moving forward i i mean i don't know i i, I would care- you ever team up with ai again yeah, yeah, I would. I, but I would want to make sure that it was clear that I was the one in control, <laughs> um, because uh, yeah, I think it's always kind of weird when you, you've like a deep fake has actually fooled you or something mm, like that. That's true, not a good feeling. Which I think is what everyone's worried about. Well, before we wrap, tell us this, Robbie. How can folks get a copy of the book? And I, I, oh, I yeah. believe that you know some um, some upcoming readings. I do know. Yeah, um, yeah I have three readings coming up. Um, the first one is at the bookseller on August 3rd at 7 p.m. Um, I'll be doing a sort of like book release reading there. And uh, then I have two more after that. But you can get the book at uh, bottlecap.press. It's put out by Bottlecap Bottle Press. Um, and you can learn more uh, if you just go to my website, which is robbyqtelfer.com. Well, it's very delightful, folks. That's writer and conservationist Robbie Telfer. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot and Dan Tucker, who also edited the episode along with Ethan Schwab. For more conversations like this one, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thank you so much for listening. If you need a break from the news, WBEZ's Nerd Up podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club. Listen to Nerd Up wherever you get your podcasts.